4: all right boys and girls well first of all we are working on martin luther king day i hope uh, that you guys are using that day to reflect a little bit hopefully if you are working like i am work on labor day work on christmas eve work on new year's day during football season we work on this show uh there is a lot to dive into a lot to dive in here four different divisional round playoff games to break down And I'm going to break them down in order and figure out what we learned, if anything, from each of them now that the AFC and the NFC Championship games are set. Uh, But the biggest story by far is the health of Patrick Mahomes. He He had to leave the game with a concussion. And we are going to bring in Dr. Chow for a special Monday edition at Pro Football Doc discussion on what exactly the concussion protocol is, on what we should anticipate regarding Patrick Mahomes uh, and his health status, and whether he is going to play in the AFC Championship game or not. I understand that a lot of you out there immediately say, oh, he's going to play. They're definitely going to find a way to have him play. And I understand that position. And certainly, I'm sure that Patrick Mahomes himself wants to play. But I do think we have to keep in mind this is a medical-related decision and there are independent neurologists that are in charge of all concussion-related issues. And this was a part of the NFL's big concussion settlement. And so these are not NFL team physicians. These are not players able to dictate their own decisions I think that is important to keep in mind here. We will discuss that a great deal next with Dr. David Chow. Again, going to have a special Monday discussion with him because I believe the biggest story coming out of all four of these divisional round games is what exactly went on with that from a health perspective. So with that in mind, Let me go ahead and dive in. I'm going to give you a takeaway from each of these four games and what we learned. First of all, the most dominant team in the divisional round playoffs was the Packers. The Packers absolutely went out and took control against the Rams. That game never really felt like it was in doubt. Aaron Rodgers and company they rolled, okay? So the Packers, they get to play at home in Lambeau. If you are the Rams, I thought probably the most interesting commentary coming out of that was Sean McVay not seeming to say that Jared Goff was the long-range answer necessarily at his quarterback position. It seems like Sean McVay not very happy with the play that he got from Jared Goff, and we'll have to see what happens with that relationship going forward. In the Ravens and the Bills game, and I'll unpack this a little bit more later in the program because I think it's worth diving into, the Ravens' offense disappeared. This has happened now pretty much for all of the playoff games that the Ravens have been in with Lamar Jackson. And I think it's worth asking at this point, when the Ravens only put up three points, and obviously Lamar Jackson got knocked out of the game late, through the interception that was returned the length of the field in order for the Bills to win that game, I think it's a very fair question and a very fair perspective to be asking. What is going on with Lamar Jackson once he gets into the postseason? Why is he so dominant oftentimes in the regular season? And what is changing for him in the postseason? And how do you marry those two things together? Because even the win that he got last week against the Titans – they didn't really do that on the offensive side of the ball. They only put up 20 points. It was the Ravens' defense that won that game. When you only put up three points in a playoff game with your purported franchise quarterback healthy and playing in the game up to that point before the final seven or eight minutes, it's a very fair question, I think, to ask about what is not translating from the regular season to the postseason. For the Bills and the Bills Mafia celebrate, you guys are into the AFC Championship game, and Josh Allen now has won two different games, even though the offense hasn't really performed at a very high level. The Bills have been outgained in both of those games, but the biggest play, I would say, just about of the postseason in general was the pick six that the Bills had late with the Ravens driving and trying to score there. And so... On the Saturday games, I think the biggest takeaway is Aaron Rodgers continuing to play at an incredibly elite level. Jalen Ramsey couldn't stop Devontae Adams. Nobody has been able to stop this Packer team so far. They have played very well at home in Lambeau. And Aaron Rodgers seeking that elusive second Super Bowl. And now he goes up against Tom Brady. Let's go into the Sunday takeaways. The Chiefs appeared to be in pretty good control of this game. Patrick Mahomes... Gets knocked out with a concussion with about 20 minutes ish left in the game. From there, the Chiefs try to just hold on. They manage to hold on, get the win. Chad Henney makes a really big play on third and 14, scrambles for about 13 and a half yards. And then when you think that the Chiefs are just going to try to draw the Browns offsides, they end up snapping the ball a little bit early. Chad Henney hits Tyreek Hill. And the Chiefs are in the AFC Championship game now for a third straight year. But all of the discussion surrounding the Chiefs is, not surprisingly, 100% connected to how healthy or not healthy is Patrick Mahomes going to be. That is by far the number one story. And as I started off the show by telling you, we will discuss that with Dr. David Chow next. It's the number one story in the AFC and the NFC as we get ready for both of those games. Uh, Okay, and then Tom Brady, I feel like we can't give him enough praise. Tom Brady comes out, goes to the Tampa Bay in his first year. I'm going to unpack this to close out the hour, but he has won the divorce with Bill Belichick. This is a discussion I've been having all season long. Tom Brady goes out, And gets it done. Flip side, Drew Brees has had a phenomenal year. Brees is younger than Tom Brady. And I think if you saw him playing, it's clear he just still doesn't have his fastball anymore. He doesn't have the ability to make the throws that he used to make. And so, even with that having happened, by the way, the Saints had four turnovers. The Jared Cook fumble, to me, is the biggest play in the game. The Saints are in what feels like pretty good control at that point in the game. Uh, they're, they've they just gotten a first down. Jared Cook is running in the field. Ball gets swiped away from him. I believe I'm correct, Dub. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the Saints were up 20-13 to 13 at that point, driving and looking like they were going to put more points on the board. Boom, the ball gets popped out, and from there... The Bucks come in and just take control and dominate down the stretch, score the final 17 points in that game to win by double digits. And now Tom Brady in year one with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has them back in the NFC Championship game. That is the 14th different conference championship game for Tom Brady. Truly remarkable. Again, we will unpack that in a little bit. Uh, with all of you i will talk about the extraordinariness of tom brady and what we're learning about the brady belichick relationship this is outkick the coverage with clay travis Bring in now Dr. David Chow at ProFootballDoc on Twitter. Usually we talk to him on Friday, but this is such a huge story that I wanted to make sure that we talked to him uh, as as early in the week as we could, and we might even need to talk to him multiple times a week because there's a lot of different storylines associated with this. Okay, we've talked about all the challenges of the COVID protocols, uh, Dr. Chow, knock on wood. It seems like the NFL has been pretty successful so far in the postseason, divisional round, playoff games. Now we get into the AFC and the NFC game championship games. There's only three games left uh, in terms of the NFL season and football overall. So the big story, monumental story, massive story is Patrick Mahomes and whether or not now he will be able to, to play in the AFC Championship game for the Kansas City Chiefs. So before we get into Patrick Mahomes specifically, I want to walk through, because I think there are a lot of people out there that are like me, that know that the NFL concussion protocols exist, but don't really know what that looks like. So uh, let me just ask you a series of questions if I could, Dr. Chow. Okay, so player on the field has what appears to be a concussion, What happens? What is the protocol that is in place that takes place? Player takes a hit, player takes a fall, looks like it might be a concussion. Walk me through what that would look like from an NFL medical perspective.
0: Sure. Whether it's a player self-reporting symptoms, a doctor or athletic trainer seeing symptoms, a referee on the field being concerned, or the buzz down from the eye in the sky, any of those initiates the concussion protocol for a visit the screening can happen in the blue tent or in the locker room but the formal evaluation has to be in the locker room and that's what happened with patrick mahomes and uh, the bottom line is just based on his symptoms when he was groggy or shaky and needed to be helped up that would qualify him to enter the concussion protocol for screening and testing
4: Okay, so uh, he goes back, and then what does a concussion protocol actually look like?
0: Well, it's a series of tests, and uh, it's scientific, but it's not... NASA fancy. It's, you know, where are you, what day of the week, reciting presidents, serial sevens counting backwards, days of the week uh, backwards, uh, uh, recall of items, uh, balance, vision, tracking. So fairly standard tests that take about 10 minutes, and it's done by the team physician under the auspices of the Red Hat, the independent neuro consultant that's on each sidelines. And no matter what the team physician says, the neuro has to sign off uh, for them to return to play. And obviously, there's uh, quite a bit of erring on the side of caution in terms of concussion.
4: Okay. So the team physician does it and there's one other person there watching to verify that the test is being done accurately or, uh, in the way that it needs to be done.
0: And honestly, honestly, to be the final arbiter of yes or no in general. So the, the team physician,
4: is, the team physician doesn't get to make that call. That's a decision that is made by the, uh, by the, the red hat as you're calling it.
0: Yes. And, um, Ultimately, yes. In general, most cases, both physicians agree. But if they don't agree, the Red Hat has the final say. Uh, If someone returns to play without the Red Hat's approval, um, there's a league investigation in the whole deal. And that really doesn't happen. And uh, the policing is fairly tight of the situation.
4: Okay, so when they take Patrick Mahomes back, well, let's, let's talk about some of the specifics of him. And I, I've got a general question that I've had before. Can you be knocked out and not concussed? In other words, let's say you're in a boxing match and somebody gets knocked out for a, you know, a count of ten. And then they get back up and they're later able to be interviewed or talked to after a boxing match. We sometimes see that, right? Certainly we see it in UFC, but I'll get to that in a minute because I think that's a different dynamic. Is it possible from a medical perspective to be knocked out and uh, and not be concussed?
0: Well... It depends on your medical or lay definition of concussion. But in the NFL's definition, the answer is no. So it's it's binary, concussed or not concussed. And whether it's mild, whether it's different types of concussions, whatever it is, it's binary. So yes, if you're knocked out, you would be considered concussed.
4: Which I think, and again, you can speak to this better than me, but when we saw Patrick Mahomes get up on that field after that hit, he was a little bit out on his feet, right? He was wobbly. He may well have collapsed if he hadn't had guys there to kind of help hold him up. And I think if you saw his face as they zoomed in, there was a lack of, you know, I mean, you, you could, you know, the lights for, for a better way, there, for a lack of a better way of saying it, you know, the, the lights are on, but there's nobody home, right? People have heard that phrase for a long time. That's what he appeared to me to look like. Is that a, a any kind of medical uh, perception there? <laughs>
0: Well, I think that's fair, and and all of us saw that, but in terms of concussions, the rules are if you have any visual evidence of concussion, you're supposed to rule them out just based on that, no matter what their tests look like, but... It's not the final arbiter. You don't judge necessarily by reaction. You judge by exam and the total picture, the history, the presentation. Now, if for some reason the doctors, including the Red Hat, determined that his wobbly status and his absence was whether the air got knocked out of him or whether his neck was twisted momentarily or, as people have said, he was choked in the carotid momentarily, and that explained the circumstances of his grogginess that's the only way he would have returned to the field uh, there the proof once there's visual evidence level gets harder is finding a solid explanation otherwise he's going to be ruled out and that's why especially given in a little time in the locker room uh, that's why I sort of went with he's going to be ruled out before the official announcement came
4: yeah and 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 now that that official announcement comes, does the official announcement tell us anything more than what you had seen on the field? Uh, what does the official announcement mean then and going forward? Does it mean he failed the test? <laughs>
0: The official announcement means that he's in the protocol and he's staying in the protocol. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean he for sure has a concussion. There have been circumstances this year where players have been entered into the concussion protocol, stayed in the concussion protocol, and later determined that their symptoms were more related to, let's say, a migraine or something else and were removed from the concussion protocol later. On game day, the... uh instruction is err on the side of caution. If it could be concussion, you need to keep them in the concussion protocol. But that doesn't always mean that they had a concussion. Um, that just means that until things clear and there's follow-up, that you want to err on that, that side of ruling a player out. So it's binary once again. Either he comes out of the concussion protocol, he clears it, or he stays in it. And once you, if you stay in it, you're ruled out of the game, and that's what happened with Patrick.
4: Uh, Okay, so what does this mean now going forward? Because we're all going to be asked that question. It's the number one question by far with the AFC and the NFC Championship games inching closer and closer all week long. Basically, every bit of analysis anybody gives is Is going to be, you know, the follow-up, the 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 predicate there or whatever is going to be. Presuming Patrick Mahomes plays, or if Patrick Mahomes plays, right, all of those are going to be major points of discussion. So, what does that mean going forward?
0: Well, as we hinted and wrote about and published at the OutKick article right at the end of the game immediately, is that once you're in the concussion protocol, the question is, how do you get out of the concussion protocol? And typically, if you're in the concussion protocol and you have a concussion, uh, first of all, you're not allowed to speak to media. So. You can speak to your coach or your teammate or whatever, but there's no media questions or contact. That is a very strict rule that's supposed to be followed. So that's why we did not hear from Patrick Mahomes at all directly. The question is, can he get out of the concussion protocol in one seven days' time before next Sunday's game? Statistically, during an NFL regular season, the majority of athletes that enter the concussion protocol don't get out by seven days statistically usually it lingers into a second week uh it's uh 60 40 65 35 where they do not come back if you took all comers
4: so you can't know basically anything right now when will we start to have better information about patrick mahomes and or the chance that he plays
0: well here are the pathways for him to return to play. Before I even discuss this, I see a lot of people on Twitter saying, well, there's a lot of money, uh, so they're going to play, the NFL's going to let him play, they're going to jury rig it to play, they're going to pay off the independent Neuro guy to let him play, and the whole deal. Here's what I would say. The NFL does not want to open itself into a gazillion-dollar lawsuit, right? This is a $500 million guy. The independent Neuro is appointed jointly by the NFL and NFLPA. If the NFL PA feels like this guy didn't do right by him, A, they're not shy about speaking up. B, he won't be the independent neuro again next year. And same if the NFL felt there was some monkey business. But to suggest that this doctor, albeit he or she lives in the Kansas City area, that's just by requirement, you know, for teams each. Independent person lives in the there area. There would be 32, 32
4: independent concussion experts that live in the geographic region area of all 32 NFL teams. Is that the way yeah, that I'm this t- is structured?
3: And, and
0: co- correct. And there's actually Two, so there's a backup in case one's on vacation, et cetera. So you could say 64, but yep. two in each city, they all live in the home city or region of the teams just because they need to be able to examine right. the players during the week yes. and otherwise it's a logistical issue. And so, yes, the, you know, you can call Homer there, but the reality is this, a physician Besides the Hippocratic Oath, and listeners can say, who cares? Physicians cheat. They're humans. They're, they're open to bribes. So but think about this. How big does the bribe have to be? Certainly, it's preposterous to think just because he's a fan, he or she is a fan, they're going to do this, right? Because if you make the wrong call and you're doing something that's not right, this is a $500 million athlete. The typical insurance coverage is $1 million, $3 million. Okay. for doctors you're for malpractice your, yeah for doctors for malpractice you're going besides your reputation you're going to lose your house and home and this all i mean nobody's doing that right they're trying to do the right things nobody's doing that and i think it'd be preposterous to think that and even teen physicians let's say the chief primary care doctor who's trying to get Mahomes cleared the majority of his practice and his living is not off the team i mean i did the job for the san diego Chargers. the vast majority of my income less than 10 percent of my income was from the team it was in the rest of your life and your regular practice so you're not going to sell your soul to do this so let me just get that out of the way but how he's going to get out of the concussion protocol is somehow if it's determined a He never had a concussion with medical tests that warrant that he never had it. And his reaction was a vasovagal response to the carotids or something like that with the neck, right? Something strange. That's one possible way. The other possible way is to progress through the five steps in the protocol of graduated return. And the biggest key here so far, and I've tweeted on it, that... If you believe Andy Reid and teammates, and if Patrick Mahomes is is straightforward in saying it, he says he feels great. If he has symptoms tonight slash tomorrow, that makes it very difficult to clear him through the concussion protocol in seven days. If he has no symptoms tonight and tomorrow, and he continues to progress in step-like fashion, then he would have a reasonable and good chance to clear the concussion protocol. But any setback... Along the graduated return, would delay that. And it's not necessarily sequential one day for one step, one day for the next. It's five steps. But the final step is from graduated return of activities is actually to do something at practice physically and see if he has any return of any of his symptoms before he is cleared. And the only slight home field advantage is because it's a home game for Kansas City. Literally, they could do the final clearance Sunday morning. Usually it's done by Friday, Saturday, and you know. But they literally could push it to Sunday morning because it is a home game for the Chiefs. And that's probably the only home field advantage there.
4: What would you expect for his Monday? You know, it's, it's it's Monday morning for a lot of people out there listening right now. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, when would he have a normal night's sleep typically after an issue like this? Would you be concerned at all about how his night was going to go? What would the typical uh, medical response be for a concussion-related issue uh, as you leave the stadium on a Sunday, you would do what and get ready for a Monday doing what?
0: Well, before he left the stadium, there'd be plenty of observation as to where he was at. If there was any continued symptoms of any sort, he would be hospitalized for observation and potentially treatment. The fact that he was not hospitalized is the first reasonable sign that his symptoms seem to be headed in the right direction or gone. And But he would be released to other people, whether it's I think it's fiance uh, or other family member and uh, to sort of uh, some standard precautions to watch him. And I'm sure the physicians are checking in on him tonight with phone calls and otherwise. And if there's any concerns that uh, that they'll, uh, uh, you know, uh, bring him into the hospital, etc. So the hope is that he has a normal night's sleep and he really has no symptoms and doesn't require any medication. That's the first hope, and that he feels fairly normal. The days of putting someone in a quiet, dark room, so to speak, um, aren't really, that's not really the necessary or the way that we go anymore. And quite honestly, they're actually, as he goes through the protocol, it's almost like there are some brain exercises that might help him improve. So there's different strategies, depending on the type of concussion of how to treat it.
4: Now, he wouldn't be able to do a normal week's prep, certainly, even if he's feeling pretty decent. Right. So is this something where he's primarily staying at home? Are doctors coming to him? Is he going to the main facility? What would the days as they move through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and so so on and so forth? What would those look like?
0: a player would come into the facility to get checked out by the physician. But with COVID protocols and with and the fact that he is Patrick Mahomes, after all, I'm sure they could arrange a house call if need be. Uh, but typically, the player comes into the facility for the physical checks and so forth, but would not be immediately allowed to uh, uh, go into the team meetings and certainly would not be allowed to practice without medical approval. And the stepwise approval medically is indeed done by the team physician. But the player needs to see the independent neuro before they are cleared for the game the final step usually what happens is the team physician keeps the independent narrow updated so they know what to expect when the final approval is coming and where it's headed and so it's more of a confirmation when there's an exam but stepwise throughout the week that's up to the team physician
4: So what's the earliest we could know something on Patrick Mahomes, and what do you think the most likely scenario is in terms of when we know something?
0: Well, first of all, don't worry and don't think there's anything wrong if we don't hear from Patrick Mahomes at all. That will be the norm. You will not hear from Patrick Mahomes. He will not be at Wednesday practice. That will be a DNP The hope is that he can start to do something by Thursday, Friday, and hopefully he can get cleared. The earliest he would get cleared where we would have some sort of definitive word would be Friday or Saturday. And like I said, it could progress to Sunday but as you say since this is the number one story every reporter in town beat reporter and nationally is going to have their tentacles on this to try and report it but you're really not going to hear anything definitive until
4: Friday at the earliest what about his teammates what do you think they will know what will they be told if anything about his status uh because obviously they want him on the field and then Chad Chad Henney has to, as with any injury, be preparing as if he's going to be starting in the biggest game of his career. And it's a difficult position for him to be in as well, obviously, because we're going to focus a lot on Mahomes. Uh, but it's possible that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be going out there with Chad Henney having a chance to put him in the Super Bowl because I do think uh, if, if the Chiefs were able to get past the Bills, even if Mahomes didn't play, based on – what we saw, it would be a tremendous upset if Mahomes weren't able to play in the Super Bowl from this hit, right?
0: Well, it would be an upset. It wouldn't be unheard of. It's happened before. I suppose the other key here is early on, no news is good news. If you hear reports of Mahomes being unable to drive, having headaches, or having any continued symptoms you can book it that he will be out any news right now is any definitive news right now is always just bad news. For example, the word from Andy Reid that he says he feels great is good news, but that doesn't guarantee that he's going to play on Sunday. But if Andy Reid had said he's doing fine, but he still has headaches and other things, that would be a very bad sign and really essentially rule him out uh, from next week. So, Any early week news we hear would probably be only bad news. And the good news won't come until later in the week, at least from a reporting perspective in terms of anything definitive.
4: Okay, we know he's going to want to play, right? Every football player always wants to play. Can you fake health here and pass a test even if you're not medically able to play?
0: Uh, you can try and people have tried, but there are different, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, dimensional testing and reaction time testing on a computer that are, that have standard baselines that makes it difficult to fake I won't say impossible I mean I suppose you could have an athlete and I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes did this in any way shape or form who tanked the original additional to set a low baseline baseline test to set a low baseline I mean you could say that in theory but in general it's hard to fake if you're having symptoms and delayed reactions and whatever it's very hard to fake if you're really feeling pretty good but you have a little bit of soreness or a little bit of you know wobbliness here and there and you wanted to fake it it's not impossible because it's not an exact science but it's gotten better and better over the years where it's become much more difficult and this is what the team physician's role is and knowing the baseline and knowing the athlete the independent guy keeping him or her informed throughout the uh, entire time and that's how you get as good a test as you can but it's not always absolutely
4: Dr. Chow I appreciate it my man this has been fantastic I hope I answered a lot of people's questions I bet we're going to need to talk to you later this week as well appreciate you being flexible with us
0: oh no problem anytime Clay thank you Be sure to catch
5: live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m.
4: Pacific. All right, Sean. So uh, let's start with a topic that is getting a lot of discussion so far on Monday and in the aftermath of the Bills and the Ravens game. Let's pretend you are in charge of the Ravens football team. They now have gotten into the postseason three straight years with uh, Lamar Jackson They've gotten one win, they have lost three times, and what has let them down most often has been their offense. How do you fix what is wrong with the Raven offense, and what would you do looking if you were GM of the Ravens right now?
5: Well, you know, for one, you have the most athletic and most dynamic quarterback in all of football, right? Yes. You drafted him, you knew exactly what he was great at doing, so... There's no shying away from an offense or offensive coordinator that's going to need to design things specifically for him, right? He's not a drop back guy and sit back there and and deliver a, a ball in the pocket all the time. I mean, he needs to be a a sixty forty run the pass type of deal. Uh, so if you're going to go out and, and get a coach, you need someone uh, on the, as an offensive coordinator that, that that thinks outside the box and and get creative, like an Andy Reid. I'm not saying go and get Andy Reid, but you need to be you need to find a coach. That's going to allow uh, Lamar Jackson to uh, to open this offense up. You know, it can't be the the dink and dunk uh, read option. You, you need to really open it up and realize what you have at at quarterback. But also make sure that he's enough threat that he can deliver a great ball down the field. He's done it in the playoffs. Uh, you know, these last few games. Uh, later on in the season, he's delivered a great football. You know, he can throw a ball. But he's not consistent, so you need to find a Go out and find an offensive coordinator that's going to really open it up and start thinking outside the box. Because they keep hitting the wall, and and they and defenses are figuring these guys out. I think Lamar Jackson said it during the season. He said defenses are coming up to the line of scrimmage and calling our plays out. That's telling me that your offense is basic, and you need to get out of of what you're normally doing.
4: Okay. Uh... The play that everybody is going to focus on because it really decided the game was the pick six. And obviously, Lamar Jackson made a bad read on that interception. But one thing that I heard from several different people about was they were surprised that he didn't get in a position to make the tackle there. He's the fastest guy on the field. Uh, He really kind of didn't make an aggressive move when he had a blocker in front of him coming down the field. As good as that Ravens defense was playing, I'm not sure, even if they didn't give up the touchdown on that return, whether the Bills would have been able to get the ball in the end zone there. How would you assess the playmaking, the effort making, for lack of a better way to describe it, of what you saw from Lamar Jackson on that play? Once he throws the interception, should he have gotten over there and made a play? Do you think he was surprised the ball got brought out? How did he not end up in front of the return man?
5: Well, you know what? Look, uh, well, we can nitpick at that all day, and I, I do agree that he should have probably sacrificed his body a little bit more than what he did. Like uh, if you, but, you watch you know, that all-
4: on, if you watch that on tape, would you want your quarterback in a in a playoff game like that to just be throwing himself at whatever he can do to try and get in front of that guy returning the the, the interception?
5: I, I wouldn't personally. I wouldn't. Um, you really wouldn't. You know, you, you got you to, well, you want him to make the best effort possible, but he did have a blocker in front of him. Yep. Uh, so now, now you're going out putting putting your quarterback harm's way because I can tell you right now, as a, a defensive player, the first people that we always looked up after an interception is the quarterback. Yep. <laughs> you yep. Know, you a, want to get a hit on him
4: if you can. You,
5: you want to get a hit on him if you can. And he's always the one that's going to, uh, to slow up the worst way or a uh, wide receiver that's, you know, track you down 10 to 15, 20 yards down the field. But ultimately, it's really the quarterback who you're looking up and you're trying to find first, and I'm not saying go out and intentionally hurt him or do anything like that, but those are the guys you want to get a lick on because those are the ones that can actually stop the play so i I wasn't if I'm a teammate um you might say, oh you know man he could have he could have done a little bit more, but you're not saying it or oh, what you, if he'd done a little bit more, that play definitely would' have been stopped they wouldn't have uh they wouldn't have scored right so i that's, that that wasn't the case um but look at the end of the day um he, that they they just need to figure it out over there because you only have a two or three win, uh, a three year window. Yep. Uh, to maximize to maximum, you know, contracts going to be up. You're going to have players in and out, and, and guys coming in and out, coaches in and out. So you got about a three year window uh, when you're looking at that type of talent, cohesive talent, before everything starts getting uh, you know dismantled.
4: We're talking to Sean Merriman, Lights Out Podcast, iHeart uh, Podcast Network. You played for the Bills flip side of that game what does it mean for buffalo to be back in the afc championship game and how much are you rooting for them as a guy who played for the bills among other teams are you rooting for them pretty aggressively against the chiefs would you like to see the bills back in the super bowl and for people who don't Uh, know and for people who don't know buffalo and the culture and the environment up there what's it like
5: you know what um it means everything to that city and I'm so damn happy for them. Uh, the only part that is kind of, you know, making me unhappy about the situation is the fans don't get a chance to go to the games. Yeah, and, not uh, big numbers. Yeah, you know, I mean, what do you want to see? It between six and sixty-seven hundred,
4: like I think, something like that. Yeah, yeah.
5: yeah so you know, just like man, when you play in that city and you see what the fans mean to that team and, and vice versa, and you're thinking of the fans are not able to attend. That's that's. That's a gut punch, man. I mean, it really knocks the win out of you as a fan, uh, because I, you know, I remember going out there and, and, and uh, making Tom Brady throw four interceptions and we beat the Patriots. It was a parade. The yeah. city got shut down, and it was one of the most exciting things I've ever seen in my whole entire career. You'd have thought we won a Super Bowl uh, for beating Tom Brady. <laughs> so yeah. I can only imagine an AFC Championship. I mean, are you kidding me? That that place, man, that place, going to be rocking. Now they won't be in the stadium. But you can, you're can going to you gonna find that that Bill's Mafia somewhere uh, piled up and slamming through tables and barbecuing and drinking somewhere and having the best time because there's nothing like playing for that city, man. It, it really is a special place. And if they go to the Super Bowl, man, it, I can't even tell you what, what that city is going to look like after.
4: We're talking to Sean Merriman, Lights Out Podcast. When you watched the way that Aaron Rodgers play, is playing right now, should the like who okay let's take a step back we we know that Patrick Mahomes is injured we know that of probably everybody who played over the the divisional round weekend the Packers look the best do you think that what Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are doing right now given all the other situations that you would have to say that the Packers are the favorite or would you pick somebody else
5: no, and, I, and I've been saying this. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be the Packers and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. That was yep. that was my prediction. Um, you know, somewhere in the mid mid early season, and yep. I've been saying that because they, if you look at it, they're the probably they're the two most explosive teams in football. But one thing the Packers are doing that's making it even scarier now is they're running the ball even more effectively, and they're finding ways to to, to get the running back and uh, you know out in open positions and things like that. So now. Uh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to go out there and be Superman every single time when you're winning football games like that uh, it just takes the win out of you and You it just demoralizes the defense because you're sitting there like you know that Aaron Rodgers is going to get his you know he's going to go out and light you up but now they're starting to run the ball and they're playing well on defense and, and special teams you're like man this, this is going to be a very very tough team to beat
4: we're talking to Dr. David Chow we talked to him in the first hour I'm going to play it again in the third hour Obviously, the number one story as we get ready for the AFC and the NFC Championship Games is Patrick Mahomes' health. He went out with a concussion, and we won't know for several days officially how he's going to be able to play, whether he will be able to play, all of those things. If you are a defensive player and you are trying to get ready as a Buffalo Bill I presume that you just have to assume that he's going to play and that he's going to play the exact way that he normally plays, that is, in his typical dominant fashion, because if you presume for anything else, you're not prepared. Is that the way mentally you have to get ready, even with the outside chance that it might be Chad Henny, just go ahead and prepare for Mahomes, and if you get Henney, that's just an easier version, certainly, of the quarterback otherwise?
5: Uh, absolutely, and you know what? I'll tell you this: it wouldn't be a smart idea to assume that Patrick Mahomes is not going to be Patrick Mahomes, right? Uh, because he might have a concussion. So, if you are having that, uh, you know, those thoughts in your head, you need to get rid of them right away. I'm, I'll never, I'll never forget, uh, you know, back in um, you know around 2010 or 2011, I think it was. Uh, you know, I got injured and I was hurt, and it was it was kind of out there that my Achilles was torn, um, and I had an offensive uh, coordinator come up to me before the game. And said, look, we prepared as if you were healthy because we didn't know if you were going to be healthy or not. So we were preparing as if you were 100%. And so when you have that mindset, you go into the game. Um, with this, you know, now, you now I know you don't want to wish a guy get hurt. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't right. want bad health with anybody, but you wouldn't mind as a defensive player with uh, Patrick Mahomes coming into the game and not being
0: 100%. It, oh, it, yeah, not, no doubt.
5: You wouldn't, you wouldn't mind that, right? Um, and then – so you have to go out and prepare that he's going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's going to come in ready to go. He's going to come in more eager than, than he was before uh, because he did leave the game and there's so much question. So there's a there's a lot of fuel to this fire, man. But I tell you, man, I, I, I like the Bills, and I've been saying it. Um, Josh Allen is, is to me, is, is the one of the hottest, you know, top three quarterbacks in the National Football League right now, the, the way he plays. And uh, the Bills are going to be forced to reckon with. And, and if they do lose the game, it's going to be very close.
4: What would you say about the Browns? we got a lot of Cleveland fans, I'm sure, who are listening this morning, uh, starting off their day. They've got a playoff win this year. They made the playoffs. Really, they had the ball. I don't know about you, but after the Chad Henney interception, when the Browns got the ball back there, I really kind of thought they tightened up a little bit in their play calling and their execution. It didn't seem like they really had that killer instinct maybe that you would want to see. What would you say to Browns fans waking up this morning and listening to us?
5: They need to be proud of that team and how far they've come. Uh, Just some years ago, the Browns were, and not, not very long ago, just a couple years ago, the Browns were a joke. Right, you go and look at the organization and how many GMs and head coaches and players in and out of there, and um, you know they were a guaranteed W on your on your <laughs> on your schedule. That's how they were were viewed. And now, just in a couple years, they're a real threat to every one every NFL team in the National Football League. They're, they're a threat. If you go into if you go to play the Browns now, I don't care who you are, if you're the Chiefs, or uh, you know, whoever you are, you going in playing the Browns, and not to mention they're the best team in the division. In my yeah. opinion, they're 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 now the big brother. They're now the big brother in that division. So Browns, so Browns fans should be proud in how far they've come.
4: We're talking to Sean Merriman, Lights Out podcast. You can go listen to uh, to that and make sure you don't miss any that he's do any of the podcasts that he's doing for iHeart. Sean, how tired and beaten up physically? is your body by the time you get to the AFC in the NFC championship game?
5: Uh, you're, you're so beat up. I mean, look, that first snap in training camp, you're never 100% healthy after that. That right. very first snap, you know, you got a, a wrist or an elbow, a lower back, a toe, a hip. I mean, something. It, it's something the whole week, you know, one week your, your knee is a little sore, the next week your ankle on the opposite leg because you're yep. compensating for your knee. Right. So it just goes on from week to week to week. And, uh, you know, the, when we talked last week about having the first round buy, that's why the first round buys are so key. Obviously, you want to play at home and those those great things, but it's health. At this point during the year, it's who's who's the healthiest? Who's the healthiest? That's really what it comes down to. Uh, uh, is Patrick Mahomes going to be 100%? Is this guy going to be 100%? It really comes down to health uh, because you know that if you've got all your horses, you're going to be in good shape, man. But I, I can tell you, it's, it's, you're, mentally, you're physically beat up, you're mentally beat up. Uh, the season is so long, and you're trying to find ways to just refocus and keep taking things up another level. You know, We, we talked a few weeks ago about the preseason and uh, going into the regular season and now the playoff speed and the AFC and NFC championship games. I mean, my God, these guys are just going to be flying around.
4: When you look now that the NFL, I mean, knock on wood, we have gotten to the AFC, we've gotten to the NFC championship game. When you really break that down, it's an amazing accomplishment that we're still on schedule with the NFL, isn't it? I mean, to even be in this position right now?
5: It it almost seems like the, they pulled off the impossible, right? I mean, it really, it really does because if you look at how – the season started coming, coming right from the NBA season going into the bubble, everything shut down and, and whatever. And you see guys still getting fine. And now you go into the, the football season and look what Denver had. Denver had what didn't have a starting quarterback. Yes. And they found a way to not only have, no, the game wasn't the greatest or anything like that, but there was no, there was nothing they had to cancel. The season went on. And so they found ways to, um, to continue. And I, I think that, At some point in time, there's going to be – because we don't don't know everything that goes on from the outside looking in. So at some point in time, I'm sure NFL films or somebody has done something in the background to show how much stuff they had to go through during the season in order to continue. And it's going to shock the hell out of people because I'm sure there were fights in the office. There were probably fights with CDC. and I mean, there, there was so much going on behind the scenes that we didn't get a chance to see. Uh, but it's just been incredible for them to continue the season where they have.
4: How stunned... This is not relating to the games themselves, but this story about Deshaun Watson and what's going on with the Texans. How stunned are you that there are reports that things might be so bad that his tenure with the Texans might be over?
5: I, I, I would agree.
4: It's unbelievable, it, right?
5: It, it is unbelievable. There's a couple of things, right? I mean, we we as players understand 100% that it's a business, right? We, we get it. We're not, you know, it's not a passion for us. Like when we were growing up, I played football in the street in the backyard and it was just about passion and loving the game and everything. We understand it's a business. We understand the organization and teams are going to do what's necessary for the organization and moving forward. But when you have your franchise quarterback, a very well, very well-respected quarterback Amongst his peers in the whole National Football League, really good guy that everybody loves and respects. And you don't give him the decency to just bring him in on a meeting and say, "Hey, we're thinking about bringing this guy in. This is who we're looking at. This is you know this is the CEO of your franchise." So you're telling me that you're not going to go and talk to your CEO and just have a discussion with him and say, "Hey, we're thinking about bringing this guy. in. What do you think?" Or we're thinking about trading this guy. You trade away his their, his best tar- target, and you know DeAndre Hopkins. You got rid of the head coach, you're getting rid of all the guys. And then most importantly, what I enjoyed the most out of everything that came to that, and I don't know if you've seen it or not, with Andre Johnson. Yep. Um coming out and saying that they're used they're 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 used to wasting guys' careers. And he was talking about himself. Andre Johnson was one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League, but he didn't get the notoriety because they just didn't make a lot of smart moves there within the organization. So I w- I'm happy, and I-, and I do agree that he should take it to make his stand and stand his ground uh, because the NFL careers aren't long. They aren't long. And if you're continuously being put-, put in bad situations by your organization, then maybe it's time for you to go.
4: It is interesting, right, because NBA players have way more power than – almost any other athlete, right? There aren't very many of them. The best of them are worth their weight in gold, right? I mean, there's a big difference between a top 10 NBA player and a top 100, maybe in a way that there isn't in other sports, you know, baseball or top 50, I should say, right? There's a big, like, it's easy for you and me to watch basketball and be like, oh, that dude's a you know definite, uh, definite all-star versus a role player, things like that, which is maybe not as easy everywhere else. But I can't remember a guy making a move like this right making an aggressive play and just saying basically i'm unhappy it feels a little bit because it's the same city like what james harden just did with the rockets
5: it it, it, it's very similar actually if you look at it across the board and and let me tell you that the nfl when it comes to star power and things like that there it is catching up to the nba level and i'm not saying lebron james james harden any one of these guys but you, you know someone like deshaun watson if he's unhappy. Uh, and he's voicing his concerns. Now you have Andre Johnson. Now you have all these guys kind of backing him. Uh, it's, it's looking very bad on an organization.
4: Very. And it's bad. tough to get a coach for the, in that situation, too, right? I mean, cause oh, and, and, the, it's, it's going to be tough to get a
5: free agent. You know, guys, yeah. you know, going around and looking at teams and saying, "Man, I don't, I don't know if I want to go there." I seen how they treated. I seen what they did to DeAndre Hopkins, and they'll think that the players don't talk like that. All the guys do. So, you know, their friends or their agents are friends and, and all this stuff, you know, goes on all the time. And the first thing is, you, you, you know, somebody say, hey, man, how's that organization over there, over there? And I remember doing that even when I went to Buffalo. You know, hey, how do they treat guys over there? And everything, oh, man, they're great. Great organization. It was all good things. Now, if you're public about how you're treating your players like they are, it's just not going to turn out well for you.
4: When did you recognize the business side of the game for the first time? Because you're talking about, you know, running around in your backyard, you know, playing with your friends, uh, low-level football. Was it when you were at Maryland? Was it when you got into the NFL? Was there a light bulb moment for you where it's like, oh, man. Like this isn't really a game anymore; it's a business, and my mindset has to change. Did you have that sort of epiphany, that moment of realization, light bulb moment, as I said, or was it something gradual? Do you remember having that recollection or that knowledge?
5: Well, I've always been on the on the business side and and kind of the business mindset of things, right? I've never walked in blind and thinking that, oh, you know, hey, I can go get the quarterback, so they should love me, right? No, it was always they they love me because I can't go get the quarterback, right? I mean that's that's yes. just the way it is. And but I think it kinda started sinking a little bit more when uh I got I got injured a couple of times with the first big injury and then the trade talks started to happening. Right. And I and I was just a few years straight off for of the all pro and Pro Bowl and, and run off a of defensive player to get and all this stuff and it was and I got hurt and it was like the trade talks like damn. You know, I just I just been balling for you know these last few years. And so it kind of it kind of sunk in a little bit more because when you're playing at your highest level or whenever you're doing the things you're supposed to, do, you don't think it's possible for a team to do anything other than pay you, right? Or take care of their take care of their best talent or their best players, whatever the case is. And it starts to sink in when it's, when the the trade talks. And I remember watching it watching a draft and my name coming up as a possible trade right there while I'm watching. I had no idea. I had no idea that I was even on the trading blocks or anything like that. I was watching the draft. I remember uh, them bringing up, saying, hey, I, you know, think Sean Merriman might be on the move. And I'm like, hell, <laughs> you know, like I, no one told me. Yeah. So um, I think that those type of things uh, start to sink in. Um, but it's way different now. It's more, it's more. Guys walk into it and treat it as such, as a business, even though it is their passion to play football. And, and I think the money's gotten so great. Uh, there's so much revenue built in a sport now that guys walk in with that mentality for the most part.
4: Good stuff as always, Sean. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, Wes.
5: This is Outkick, the coverage
4: with Clay Travis.
3: Dot com slash sports tire the way tire buying should be
4: mlk holiday i hope some of you spent some time reflecting about what that means uh, for you your family and uh, your loved ones in your life and what you can do to help make the country a better and more equal and fair place And uh, certainly, I appreciate all of you who a lot of us uh, work on holidays. We worked uh, on, especially during football holidays, Labor Day, we're always here. Uh, We worked on New Year's Day because we had the college football playoff games. Uh, I worked on Christmas Eve. I know a lot of you out there work on Thanksgiving. You work on the day after Thanksgiving. I know a lot of you are out there working on Christmas. And a lot of you also working today on MLK Day as we have been breaking down Everything in the divisional round of the playoffs. Earlier in the show, I told you that the four best performances, if I were ranking them, of the teams that advanced, I thought the Packers were by far the best team, uh, top to bottom, offense and defense in the NFL in divisional round playoffs. They outgained, the Packers did 484 yards to 244 yards, the Rams. Wasn't remotely close necessarily on the scoreboard. But also in the game itself, the Packers took control of that game from the earliest moment. Uh, The Bucs, I thought, had the second performance, forced four turnovers against uh, Drew Brees and that uh, Saints offense. Uh, The tough, tough end of the career for Drew Brees, but he went out uh, at home in front of his home fans incredible phenomenal first ballot hall of fame career i think reports are that he's going to go straight into the broadcast booth for nbc Uh, i expect that he will be very good there Uh, but uh, the bucks second best performance tom brady legendary career just gets more legendary we've talked a lot about that during the course of the program uh the chiefs Third best performance, a little bit hard to judge the Chiefs because of that Patrick Mahomes injury. And if you just heard Dr. David Chow breaking down everything surrounding Patrick Mahomes, I imagine that's probably the best discussion that you're going to hear about health-related concerns, what concussion protocol is like, and what you can anticipate going forward uh, from Dr. Chow. We had him on in the first hour, played in the third hour there as well. Chiefs third best performance, uh, and then the Bills – Very fortunate to win. They managed to shut down Lamar Jackson, held him to three points in the offense. But really, the play of the game was a defensive performance by the Bills, over a 100-yard, 101-yard interception return. Which leaves me with this question for all of you as we finish the Monday edition of the program. Why is Lamar Jackson's excellence in the regular season not translating to the postseason? He has now played in four playoff games. Three of them have been losses. Even the win that he got against the Titans, the defense basically won that game. Lamar Jackson, in this year's postseason, the offense posted 20 points against the Titans and three points against the Bills. It's an average, if I'm doing my live math correctly, of 12 points. 11.5 points per game, all right? That's not going to cut it. And Lamar Jackson, I believe, regressed as a part of this Baltimore Raven offense in year three compared to the excellent standard he set in year two. You can make an argument, and I'm sure we'll unpack this some this week when there are fewer games to discuss. You can make an argument That right now, Lamar Jackson is the NFL's version of James Harden or Russell Westbrook. Guys that are MVP caliber, regular season performers, but as soon as they get to the postseason, for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to come together for them. What is it about Lamar Jackson's talents that don't translate so far into the postseason now you can certainly point out that he's young you can say at some point down the line it may all come together for him you can even make the analogy hey it took peyton manning several years to win in the postseason as well but it's fair to say at this point that lamar jackson is not the same player in the postseason as he is in the regular season and that if you compare him to somebody like tom brady who I bet he'd like to be compared to. Brady raises his level of play in the postseason, and he's continued his excellence. He has won the divorce against Bill Belichick. Fox Sports
5: Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to
0: listen live. oh. oh, oh.